The Tom Woods Show, episode 1459. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Folks, if you believe in homeschooling, but you also believe in not running yourself ragged and in maintaining your mental health, then you need the self-taught Ron Paul curriculum, for which I made 400 videos on history and government. Get it from me, and I'll throw in three exclusive, unbelievable bonuses you can't get anywhere else. How do you get it through me? Head over to ronpaulhomeschool.com. Hey, everybody. Tom Woods here. Lou Rockwell is back for another of our debate analysis episodes. We had the first of what will be two debates in a row last night. This is July 2019, and Lou and I are going to talk about our thoughts related to that. Of course, you all know who Lou Rockwell is. I'd be shocked if you didn't, but he is the publisher of lourockwell.com, which we all read. He is the founder and chairman of the Mises Institute, which alone makes him one of the great benefactors of mankind, and he was the first chief of staff to Congressman Ron Paul. So very, very important figure a great benefactor of mine and a a very good friend, and I couldn't be more delighted to have him back for another of our debate analysis episodes. Lou, welcome back. Tom, it's great to be with you. I forgot to tell you, and I'm going to tell you as everyone is hearing it, that on this year's Contra Cruise, which as you know, Bob Murphy and I have been hosting for the past four years, we did what we've done every year, which is we play a family feud style game, except with libertarian questions, and it's just a blast. And As in the real Family Feud game, I really do survey 100 people, and we put the top answers on the board. And one of the questions, which we've done two out of the three years, was name your favorite guest on The Tom Woods Show. And for the first two years that we did it, last year and then the first year, the number one answer was Michael Malice. This year, Michael Malice has been dethroned. Uh, (laughs) he, He came in at number two, and the number one favorite guest on The Tom Woods Show is now Lou Rockwell. Well, that's a good so, how about <laughs> all hail your listeners, Tom. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They have discriminating tastes. So I thought <laughs> I would tell you that uh, that excellent news. So so the you know, the wise guy who guessed Michael Malice thinking he'd get the number one answer was sadly mistaken this <laughs> this year. Anyway, all right, let's talk about the debate uh, last night. This is the second series of Democratic debates because it's carried out over the course of two nights. And as I'm doing this time, I'll be talking to Tho Bishop uh, tomorrow because I you know, Lou, we did a lot of Republican debates together, but never did I ask you to do two nights in a row, two <laughs> hours at a time. I just don't have the heart to do that. So uh, so you and I will talk about this first one that did not include sleepy Joe Biden, but did include Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. So it's still, a, it's still major people in this one. Uh, how about starting with overall impressions? Well, um, uh, I think it was Yang who said, uh, he felt he just watched the most boring football game in history. It, it was it was a uh, it was not not very interesting. But I think there were uh, some things to learn from it. And uh, you know, I, I always like the Drudge Poll, which is uh, I think there are a lot of Democrats who participate in it because this is the only big time poll that you can participate in uh, that's available to people, and that it's on a you know significant site and so forth. So uh, Marion Williamson comes massively in first. Yeah. And indeed, she was uh, on Google. She was by far the most searched candidate in 49 states. And uh, I think, I I think, uh, I mean, she was actually the most race conscious of all of them. 
And uh, she's the one who famously holds uh, seminars where uh, white people get up and join hands and uh, apologize for all the evil things they've done to black people. And she uh, made, I, I guess, what people thought was a very moving uh, claim for massive reparations uh, for, for descendants of former slaves. And I, I would say she got the most applause of anybody for, for that. And it was, uh, and I think it, it shows also by the fact that she's, she's in first. And uh, Tom Delaney came in second on Drudge, uh, Warren third, Bernie fourth. And, and I, you know, I, I know I'm prejudiced, but I was struck by just how uh, unpleasant Warren and uh, Sanders are, waving their arms, shouting at people, and, of course, advocating evil. Um, so I thought that um, I, I actually think they both will see what the, the standard polls show. And I don't know how much we can trust the standard polls, but I look forward to seeing what they show. Uh, but uh, I thought both of them were taken down a notch. And the, the questioners, who clearly represent sort of the establishment of the Democratic Party, uh, the CNN questioners, uh, wanted to know, uh, was it really a good idea to tell 180 million Americans that you're going to take away their health insurance, whether they want it or not? And this was denounced as a Republican question, but of course it's actually a question that applies to what's going to happen in the election. And uh, Bernie absolutely said, uh, and Elizabeth Warren too, that uh, this was necessary, it was great, and everybody's going to be happy. And Bernie alone was uh, honest enough to say they were going to, people were going to pay more taxes, but really they were going to be much happier. He, he knew they'd all be much happier. So it's, um, I, I, you know, that, that was interesting. The uh, people who were, let's say, slightly less crazy, although all these people, even the so-called moderates, are far leftists. I mean, they all are for some kind of uh, Green New Deal, maybe not the craziest form, but some form. They're all for, say, outlawing fossil fuels, which are actually not fossil fuels. They're produced uh, in the earth continuously. But they're, they're not uh, the remnants of dinosaurs and uh, fern plants and all the, the things we were taught in school. But it's... it's uh, I thought these people all I, I, Trump had to be happy at this last night because even though they they kept denouncing him, um, you know I think that uh, also Buttigieg, Buttigieg, whatever his name is, uh, he also said that you know the key thing was to to immediately address all racism of all sorts and have the government eradicate it. This was the, the most important thing, sort of a French revolutionary um, kind of thing. So I thought these people were, by and large, terrible, although the, some of the, the so-called moderates, just as compared to the communists on stage, were, you know, seemed, seemed better. I think uh, Marion Williamson, I, she's done very well in both these debates, uh, and I'm sure she's because of the kind of business she has, where she has uh, all these seminars. I'm sure she's going to get enough donors to be in the next debate, but I'm sure they would love to get rid of her at the Democratic Party. So it's um, anyway. It's I thought it was interesting. It was boring. Uh, it was terrible. Uh, but just as I, I think Bernie and and Warren really hurt themselves. Uh, in fact, one of the so-called moderates said to Bernie, uh, he said, "You don't have to shout." Yeah. <laughs> you know? and yeah. Yeah. Congressman <laughs> Ryan. Yeah. He said. He said, "You don't have to yell because the entire night." <laughs> yeah. Bernie didn't smile once. No, he's, and I, yeah, I understand he can say, well, you know, I'm I'm fighting against injustice and there's nothing to smile about about that. But but 
come on now. I mean, you, you cannot be charismatic at all. It's all just hectoring and pointing his finger and and frowning. Yeah. And Elizabeth Warren is more or less the same way. There she are, said to the audience, this is not funny. Don't laugh. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She actually did say that. And, and the thing is, Lou, I, I mean, as libertarians, we're, in a way, we're actually angrier than they are. I mean, there Darn are right. far, far more injustices that we perceive than they do. And yet if I got up in front of the country, I would be – humorous and charming and charismatic. I wouldn't be spending my time pointing my finger at the camera and just hectoring everybody. That's just a dumb strategy, just strategically. You're right about the uh, the, the, the question about, and the whole topic of healthcare and would you basically say to 150, 160 million people, you have to get rid of a health care plan that you like. <laughs> uh, Congressman Delaney, who's one of the so-called moderates, which, you know, as you say, ha ha. <laughs> he did make the point that if when we got Social Security going, if we had told people we're going to abolish private pensions, however, we never would have gotten out of the starting gate. You know, there's, there's no reason we have to be this extreme. But but here's the problem. I wish you'd been an FDR advisor. Yeah, yeah, I know it, I know. Now, the thing is, Here's the problem that the so-called moderates, and again, we use this, this term almost laughingly, but the so-called moderates are facing in the Democratic Party. And here we're talking about Delaney, maybe Hickenlooper to some degree, maybe Bullock to some degree. Uh, what they face is their approach to policy and the economy seems to be based on more or less the idea that – I mean they wouldn't put it this way, but this is the logic of what they're saying – that you can just keep imposing burdens on the private sector mm -hmm. really painlessly. Like there really isn't anything we need to, to worry about. What matters is what we desire. There's no so, – so for instance, with the minimum wage, uh, we, th we think it should be $15 an hour. There's no particular reason it should be 15 as opposed to $14.80 or 1521 uh, We just picked 15 because it sounds nice to us. So I mean that's the, the kind of mentality you have there that – it's all basically arbitrary, based on feelings, based on needs, as opposed to the way the world works. And, and it's it's it is wish list economics, as one of them said. But the trouble is, once you latch on to at least some part of that, which is what they all sort of believe, how do you put the brakes on it? How do you say this far but no farther? When the most consistent Democrats will say, "Well, look, as long as we're making demands of the private sector, let's demand the whole thing." It becomes very hard for a moderate to defend himself. And of course, the uh, the Green New Deal involves massive uh, impositions on the, what will be the shrinking private sector, um, and they all think that's great. It's fine, it's wonderful, and um, it's I don't know, but I just I I really do think that um, it's interesting that there was a little they were a little bit more anti-war than the last time. Yeah, just slightly, and uh, and I I liked it when. Elizabeth Warren said that the U.S. ought to uh, say it will never be the first to use atomic weapons. Of course, I noticed nobody saying, hey, Elizabeth, the U.S. is already the first to use atomic weapons. But, of course, nobody uh, nobody talks about that sort of thing. Yeah. But I was glad she said that. And uh, uh, I noticed uh, CNN had a big editorial today about how that was a very dangerous proposal. And uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't, we shouldn't say that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and there were some others who talked about all they ever said was we shouldn't have endless wars. Well, I mean, that's at least uh, – th that's correct. Yeah, I mean, even a neocon would say that. No neocon is going to say, yes, I want an endless war. <laughs> and the neocon will say, no, we want to crush these SOBs and win the war. I mean, even they'll say that. 
Now, Hickenlooper, Hickenlooper says he'd like to keep some troops in Afghanistan, which is the signal to the world out there that nothing's going to change under him. It's of just going to be Obama part two. So we, we, we got that because we can't leave Afghanistan now. Yeah, because that'd be— Because that'd be betraying the women. Yeah, yeah, 18 years later. Because we've done so much good, brought about so much progress, we have to forever be killing people in, uh, in Afghanistan for reasons of feminism. Yeah, yeah. So with regard to some of the specifics of policy, I want to do two things here. First, I did an episode on the Green New Deal with Patrick Moore, formerly a Greenpeace director, mm-hmm. who has now reformed and done penance and is just appalled at what's going on in the world. And I did an episode on the Green New Deal, and right off the bat, he said, well, if it were really implemented the way it's described and on the timetable in which it's described, it would lead to mass death. Yes. And and he and he lays out exactly why. So on the show notes page, tomwoods.com slash 1459, I'll link to my interview with Patrick Moore. But the other thing is I just released – you know, Lou, I put out free ebooks. It's a It's a, It's a. an open secret. <laughs> and I put out a free ebook just recently called AOC is Wrong, and the subtitle is The Upside-Down World of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And it goes through the Green New Deal and free college and uh, affordable housing and health care and all these sorts of things where you know she's wrong, but you got loudmouth friends at work who make you feel guilty for not supporting these things, and it just smashes them to pieces. So for the details of the policy disagreements we have with these people, I recommend that ebook. People can get it. Lou, can you believe I actually bought the domain AOCiswrong.com? I own that. <laughs> That's where you get this free ebook, AOCiswrong.com. I mean, just type that into your browser for the pure satisfaction of typing in AOCiswrong.com. All right, l- l- let's uh, l- let's. Let's get back to the um, the actual detail. I mean, I, I thought it was interesting that Bernie says, because he's talking about he doesn't like this, uh, you know, employer-provided health care. He's going to have his single-payer policy. And he says, now look, now that companies won't be the ones basically funneling the health care money, he says, instead of putting money into health care, they can now pay higher wages. And I <laughs> yeah. thought, whoa, that's a huge admission from Bernie. So wait a minute. You mean if you just pile on so-called fringe benefits uh, that are required to be paid by private employers, that this might actually reduce wages, that there might be a trade-off involved? I don't think he's ever acknowledged that before. No, you're right. And, and of course, it's needless to say, nobody was willing to make a point of, of uh, saying, <laughs> making that point in this stage. They all are, because they're all such far leftists. And they all, it's, it's, it's quite extraordinary, and I, I noticed them all saying, look, we can't really care about the people who mine coal or oil workers or whatever. They're, you know, they're, they're just going to have to t- take it because we're going to get rid of all the so-called fossil fuels and get rid of all the automobiles. And, and uh, of course, they're, they're, the Green New Deal also requires getting rid of uh, airplanes that are, that are uh, fly around because of fossil fuels. So it's, it's uh, I guess— what is this going to be? Uh, electric airplanes, uh, airplanes that have. Uh, what are they even talking about? Of course, they, yeah. they will allow airplanes for government use, of military, course. and also what a surprise. civic yeah. government use. Yes. And now Hickenlooper said, uh, "Here's again, here's the problem with the so-called moderates. They're basically okay with seventy percent of that Green New Deal. That's right. They they really are. It's their the problem is, well, you're you're combining the environmental aspect of it." With too much extraneous, uh, too many extraneous issues like uh, guaranteed 
government jobs and income equality and stuff like that that are beside the point. We have to really focus on the environment. And so Hickenlooper, instead of saying, well, obviously we would destroy everyone's standard of living and (laughs) we would have precisely zero effect on climate because if China's not going to do anything, we can impoverish ourselves all we want. It's not going to make any real difference. Uh, But Hickenlooper says he, he was unhappy about every American basically being guaranteed a government job. Now, first of all, good luck trying to alarm Democrats about that. <laughs> like that. They cannot imagine for a second why that would be a problem. But but that's what he's reduced to because he can't criticize the fundamentals of the Green New Deal. He can't criticize this, the stuff that leads to mass death. So he says uh, that's a disaster at the ballot box, making a pledge like that. He says you might as well FedEx the election to Donald Trump. Okay, I, I kind of like that line, I have to admit. Uh, but that, as I say, that's the problem that – is facing the moderates. Now, on the other hand, the moderates do hit, I think they do get some direct hits on, for example, Governor Bullock of Montana was asked the following. uh, About two-thirds of Democratic voters and many of your rivals here for the nomination support giving health insurance to undocumented immigrants. You haven't gone that far. Why not? And he says what I think will resonate with normal people. He says, look, I think this is the part of the discussion that shows how often these debates are detached from people's lives. We've got 100,000 people showing up at the border right now. He says, if we decriminalize entry, if we give health care to everyone, we'll have multiples of that. Don't take my word. That was President Obama's Homeland Security Secretary who said that. And then this Congressman Ryan, who's an awful neocon who had that exchange with Tulsi Gabbard last time, said, now in this discussion already tonight, We've talked about taking private health insurance away from union members in the industrial Midwest. We've talked about decriminalizing the border. And we've talked about giving free health care to undocumented workers when so many Americans are struggling to pay for their health care. I quite frankly don't think that's an agenda we can move forward on and win. Now, I'm not totally sure about that, Lou, because the, the, the voters have definitely moved left. But maybe that group of independent voters, maybe they will stop short of – yeah, anybody who just stops in gets free health care. Maybe they will. I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I, th- I was not impressed when Bernie said, look, it's a, it's a human right health care, and therefore you can't deny it to anybody who comes and asks for it. So, uh, I, you know, of course, nobody is willing to say, well, exactly how many people uh, should we admit to the U.S. to get free health care and, and uh, welfare and uh, free education and so forth, free college? And uh, no college, you know, your college loans abolished that they all are advocating. Um, a million, 10 million, 100 million, a billion. Um, according to the UN, there are a billion people who would like to come to Europe and to the US. And that's just now. I mean, once, who knows what, the, what is the case in the future? Uh, but nobody is, of course, they're all pro immigration, they're all for decriminalizing um, border crossing. And um, it's it's as bad as Trump is on so many things. It's hard for me to see him losing. Uh, I think these people are are crazy, and I think the Republicans are going to be able to have the kind of uh, advertising campaign and and his and in his debates with the Marion Williamson, whoever is whoever is the Democratic nominee. Uh, I think he's going to easily smash them. We'll see. All right, Lou, before we carry on with the inanities, I have a little something I want to mention that you may actually know about already. There is a brand new publication, both digital and print, and I'm old-fashioned enough that I still like to hold something in my hands, called Austro-Libertarian. And 
People who have been reading it are just raving about it. It's a quarterly publication. It features the best of the up-and-coming Austro-Libertarian writers. We have so many of those. And its subjects as varied as literary and cultural criticism, economics, history. Each issue is over 100 pages, full-color, glossy paper. Every month they're doing an interview with some important figure. So Gene Epstein is going to be interviewed in the next issue. I just love it. And as I say, people are raving about it. The publisher is a friend of mine. I really want to see it succeed. So you can subscribe at austrolibertarian.com slash magazine. And if you use coupon code WOODS, you can take $10 off one of the annual plans. So that's austrolibertarian.com slash magazine and use coupon code WOODS to take $10 off an annual plan. You know, where I live, Lou, and you're not, by the way, no one's allowed to say what I'm about to say, even though everyone knows it's true. And it just astonishes me that we live in a country where everybody knows something is true and you cannot say it. And, <laughs> and, and, and this is true, by the way, in the libertarian world. There are things that, I mean, unless these people are comatose, my fellow libertarians also know these things are true. But if you say them, you're a terrible person. Look, I'm not a terrible person, right? I'm a very, very lovely, wonderful person everybody likes. Every normal person likes me, okay? <laughs> That's right. But I see with my own two eyes, and everybody involved knows what's going on, that there are a ton of illegals, and yes, I'm, uh, I'm going to use that, that terrible forbidden word, who use uh, the emergency room as their primary care doctor. And that means that my child, whom I'm actually going to pay for, I'm going to pay the full amount, my child sits there for seven to eight hours waiting to get in when there's an emergency because everybody else is clocking it up to use it for primary care doctor. Now, I know I should be sitting there saying how wonderful it is that their human rights are being fulfilled. <laughs> but, you know, that's really not how I feel when I have an emergency with my child. Now, why is it? Is it I know it's evil and racist and hateful to want your child to get emergency care. But, I, okay, then what? whatever. Say these stupid names that do not constitute an argument in any way. That does not show me why I'm wrong. That, that, to, to call me that name does not actually constitute a refutation of what I just said. And there are a ton of people who are forced to live this way now because basically uh, hospitals are obligated to give free care mm -hmm. in those conditions. And, and, and if you use the emergency room as your primary care doctor, there's no way they can stop it. And they're obviously overwhelmed. And meanwhile, people who are, you know, I know we hear about how honest and hardworking all, these, uh, all the immigrants are. Well, some of them are, but not the people sitting in that room. In, in many cases, it's I'm going to get free health care here. And meanwhile, people who actually work their tails off so they can provide for their families, are sitting there waiting impossibly long to the point where you give up and go home. And whatever's wrong with your kid, you just hope it goes away. Now, that's a, that's a reality for a lot of Americans. That is a reality. Well, certainly and, it's true all along the border. Uh, hospitals, you can't get in. Yeah. And um, even, the, even some of the, uh, the women who come across to have their baby in the U.S. Uh, so that they're citizens and so forth— uh, end up uh, having a very tough time getting into the hospital. So it's, and if, of course, paying people, uh, what do you, uh, we, as you say, you're a racist if you think you ought to get in. It's insane. I mean, really, how deranged would you have to be to say that it's racist to have this obvious common sense? Of, I mean, <laughs> really, how far gone would you have to be? Well, that's definitely I mean, libertarians, really. isn't it? Or at least the, yeah, it's just, the it libertarian establishment, my, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely boggles my mind, these people. Uh, and then meanwhile, we get this uh, from, I guess it was uh, Don Lemon. I, 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 don't remember. I, guess, I think so. Senator Klobuchar 
What do you say to those Trump voters who prioritize the economy over the president's bigotry? Well, there's an impartial <laughs> question <laughs> from the moderate. <laughs> okay, okay. Know, Tucker so this Carlson is not always calls him Don Lamone. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now, then I got uh, Mayor Pete, so-called, Pete Buttigieg, saying, so-called conservative Christian senators right now in the Senate are blocking a bill to raise the minimum wage when scripture says that whoever oppresses the poor taunts their maker. All right, he loves doing this, right? He loves to say, look, I'm religious too, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I can say that my crazy policies are justified by the Bible. Okay, notice scripture does not say anything about a minimum wage, right? <laughs> There's nothing in there. Oppressing the poor. Okay, well, what does that mean? Right? Goodness, what so does that it means individuals, mean? of course, it's not talking about the state. Right, of course it is. And, and, and also, if... <laughs> I mean, we don't need to go, to go through all the, the consequences, but you have a $15 minimum wage. First of all, that's going to draw people into the labor market who weren't in it in the first place. So you're going to have way, way more people looking for jobs. And secondly, the supply, I mean, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't hire as many people if I had to hire them at $15 an hour. So, so we got all that. Um, you got the fact that minimum wage, basically nobody earns it for any length of time. I mean, basically you can round it off to zero. Almost nobody earns it for any length of time. And and of the people who do earn it, almost none of them, I mean, very uh, modest percentage are actually heads of households. It's almost all teenagers who, in you know, if they have any responsibility whatsoever, uh, won't be earning it one year from now. I mean, so – the ideas on which it's based are all wrong. The idea of – they think that wages rise because governments uh, force wages to rise. But if that were true, everybody in America would be earning the minimum wage, right? Why, why doesn't everybody earn the minimum wage if, if employers can just arbitrarily set wages? Well, then why would they set them one cent above the legal minimum? So there are a million reasons that this is a bad idea. But it's, it obviously will mean fewer people will be employed. I mean that's just no, – how could that be – how could that be? Surely there's somebody whose labor is not worth $15 an hour. There must be one solitary person in America whose labor is not worth $15 an hour at this moment. Maybe someday it will be, but not right now. Well, why is that not a form of oppressing the poor? And, and, if, and if $15 an hour works, why isn't that oppressing the poor when the poor could just as easily have $55 an hour? Apparently, if it's just arbitrary, why not $85 an hour? Why isn't $15 an hour oppressing the poor? I, you know, hundred dollars an hour. We can all be rich. Yeah, right. Yeah. Beautiful thing about libertarianism is because we just say uh, to hell with everything. Uh, we don't have to wind up figuring out why it should be fifteen and not twenty-one and thirty-two cents, and we don't get in these interminable arguments that are impossible to resolve because there is no answer. Who was the Who was the uh, candidate who pointed out that Medicare reimburses hospitals eighty percent of? Their I think it was cost. Delaney. Yeah, and yeah. that. Uh, uh, private pay, private insurance pays 120 percent, and uh, he talked to all the small hospitals in his in his area. So, what would happen if uh, everything were Medicare? And they all said we'd be all out of business. Yeah, he said that directly to Bernie. He yeah. said, "What would happen if the hospitals were all reimbursed at the Medicare rate, with 80 percent?" Bernie said they wouldn't have to go through all this paperwork. That's so expensive. Yeah, like that was the best he could come up with because I'm <laughs> yeah. sure the government paperwork will be no problem at all, right? <laughs> what paperwork? <laughs> They'll just give the yeah, money. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It'd be one half a form and then that'll be the end of it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a that I thought was actually an interesting point that we, everybody, every doctor, every hospital knows about the Medicare reimbursement rate. That's they right. know it's a loser. So you say Medicare for all and so you're going to wind up with – obviously wind, all, all marginal hospitals just simply go under at that point. 
And well, then, but then this what is, happens? of course, the way they fund it because, of course, there'll be much less care. Yeah. But despite Bernie <laughs> yeah. saying, and old people are going to have free hearing aids and free dental and free, you know, eyeglasses eye and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Just like in the National Health Service or in uh, Canada, uh, where it's very difficult to get any of these things. Nobody, of course, on that stage could point that out. Yeah, none, none of them are going to say anything critical about any other country's policy because they know that's part of their talking points. These other countries have these great uh, systems. Now, given your view that uh, Bernie and Warren came off as just hectoring and, and very, very uncharismatic and unlikable, but yet at the same time, the I mean, the, we didn't have Harris, we didn't have Biden in this debate, so that's we'll have to see how they do. But it doesn't seem as if any of the second, third tier candidates are getting any traction at all. No. So are there any winners from this debate? We see maybe who a couple of losers might be, but are there any winners as far as you can see? Well, Mary, I think Marianne Williamson yeah. was a winner. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's good for her business. And, um, there, you know, there were poor Amy Klobuchar and the rest of these people, of course, just sort of fell down a hole. And uh, I think, uh, you know, they're so maybe Williamson. Uh, maybe she'll end up being the vice presidential candidate. Who knows? She's certainly got the right racial views. You know, I, this could just be my bias coming through because I know Tulsi Gabbard has a million problems. I mean, you know, believe me. But the fact that she speaks the way she does, she speaks in a, about foreign policy no, she's in a great. way yep. yeah, that nobody else does. Uh, and she wasn't in tonight's or uh, last night's debate. But for some reason, she just comes across to me. I could be wrong as a genuinely pleasant person, as politicians go. Because you, you know that I think behind closed doors, they're all horrible people. <laughs> I think she might be an actually genuine. Whereas Amy Klobuchar comes across as, oh. you hear her and you think, yep, those rumors about how she abuses her staff are all true. <laughs> <laughs> just the way she, just her hair and the way she dresses would uh, uh, stimulate that kind of view, it seems to yeah, me. I, I was uh, watching the debates uh, with a friend over Skype last night. And I, I mentioned this about Amy Klobuchar being known. And this friend and I both agreed, yeah, those rumors are true. <laughs> it's just, just looking at <laughs> No, it's, of course, yeah. And, of course, Bernie is uh, famously a very nasty guy. And uh, Oh, could you imagine him being pleasant? That's impossible no. to imagine. And Elizabeth Warren, of course, nobody brings up the whole Indian business. But uh, certainly Trump, if she's the nominee or the vice presidential nominee, uh, will bring that up. And, and she talked about... Uh, she was able to get ahead because she went to a, a, a cheap, uh, small college, and that really set her off on her uh, her, her great uh, path to glory. But, of course, it was because she claimed to be a Cherokee is what got her all the, the special benefits that she ended up getting. And, now, and you know, she doesn't want to talk about that, of course, but somebody is going to talk about it if she, if she uh, is a nominee or the vice presidential nominee. Well, that uh, I think that'll do it for our— discussion of this. Uh, TomWoods.com slash 1459 is the show notes page. Uh, going to talk tomorrow to Tho Bishop of the Mises Institute about the second round. And Lou, let's hope that by the next debate, it'll be just one. I mean, I now suddenly favor tightening the requirements <laughs> just for the sake of my own sanity. So I hope that that uh, that uh, happens soon. But uh, th thank you. I mean, look, let me just say, thank you for your service, Lou. You sat there and watched this for the sake of uh, our listening audience here, and we all appreciate it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> thank you, Tom. All right, folks, I've got something that I think you're going to like before we wrap up today. Now, you all know, because I have told you a million times, that when people get their web hosting through my link, 
if they want to go start a website or a blog, I'll promote their website or blog on my show and get them a lot of free traffic. And that's a great way to get them started and being successful. And I've got other bonuses too. We've got a private Facebook group where we give each other mutual help and all that. It's just, these are great bonuses. TomWoods.com slash publicity is how you get those bonuses. Anyway, you got to get your hosting through my link. You get a really good deal on it and you get all these great bonuses. Well, anyway, a lot of times people start libertarian websites and blogs and podcasts through that link. But every now and again, I get somebody who starts something that is a million miles removed from that. And I love that too. So I'm so happy about this one. The website is restoreyourvwbeetle.com. Now that is not, that does not directly have anything to do with libertarianism. But the gist of it is, think back to when you were a kid, some of the happiest times you ever had. What's that vehicle that rolls through those most vivid, warm memories? Chances are good it's a Volkswagen and a Beetle at that. And for many fans of those air-cooled Volkswagens, it's not enough to let their memories be filled with vintage rides. They want one in their garage, too. And, of course, the most desirable VW Beetles are now collector's items. And now that Volkswagen has cut production... Those who own one that's decades old know they've got something that's appreciating in value every year, assuming it's in good condition, and there lies the rub. Beetle restorations can start at above 60 grand, and depending on upgrades, that price tag can soar well north of 100K. But a professional restoration isn't your only option. You can take this project on yourself. And that's why Air Cooled Customs, a libertarian-owned and operated shop in Hazel Green, Alabama, partnered with CarTech Publishing to release a new book, How to Restore Your Volkswagen Beetle. With 450 full-color photos, step-by-step instructions, this easy and entertaining read can help you turn even a rust bucket beetle into a safe and solid daily driver that'll turn heads and evoke fond memories of everyone who sees it. So head over to RestoreYourVWBeetle.com to get your copy or buy one for the Volkswagen enthusiast in your life. So I'll link to that website also at TomWoods.com slash 1459. It's RestoreYourVWBeetle.com. And if you'd like to get publicity for that website that you are planning on starting, make sure and get your hosting through me. You get a bunch of great bonuses that will help you be really successful online. So check that all out at TomWoods.com slash publicity, and I'll see you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit TomWoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at Podsworth.com.